0: Welcome to the Finishing Big Podcast. I'm Scott Martin, your host. And in this episode, we have with us George Rosen of Contango Investments. And I'm going to be discussing with him the impact of the COVID-19 crisis on business valuations. And, you know, you're really going to want to know what your company is worth, because if you want to get it back on track, you got to know where you're at right now so that in the future, if you want to incentivize your key management to grow your company, you at least now have a, a starting point. And it's also important for you to know what your company is worth because you want to be able to pro- properly protect it. I'm not going to get into that today, but we need to make sure that you know what your company is worth right now. And I want to welcome George. Hey, George, welcome to the uh, podcast
1: very much, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here
0: today with you. Well, listen, I'm, I'm glad to have you here taking time out of your busy schedule. And rather than me talk about who you are, can you just explain a little bit about your background so that our listeners can get a sense of who you are and what, what you're an expert in? Happy to do so. Um, I
1: came out of the food and beverage industry going back to my college years in Hawaii with Uh, Chi-Chi's Mexican restaurant, a franchise uh, Mexican based restaurant chain. I'd opened up five units over there as uh, an assistant manager, Uh, graduated college, moved down to Miami where I taught accounting at Miami-Dade Community College for a year. Realized that my career path was not to become a professor. It was to get into business. So I moved up to Orlando in 1989. I was planning on tackling the real estate market as we were going through some crazy explosive growth in Central Florida at the time. And I got here just in time for the real estate bust of the early 90s and the Resolution Trust Corporation bailout and what was going on in the marketplace at that time, the S&L crisis. Um, Friend of mine, Suggested that with my accounting bent and background, that possibly business sales would be something that I could really add value to. He was an attorney, Um, and I'd never heard of a business broker before. Back in the early 90s, that wasn't even part of what it was taught in real estate licensure schoolwork. Um, In order to get a license, you had to um, complete the basic real estate curriculum, Um, and there was very little business brokerage going on back then. Florida was in its infancy for starting the whole marketplace for business brokers to be able to help business owners get into and out of small business ownership. Um, Back then with the business brokers of Florida, we had six brokerage firms around Central Florida. I went from broker to broker asking, how does one break into this business and all but one of them said well if you don't know anything about brokerage why would i hire you one gentleman said we have a 30 day to business brokerage success and that was the firm i went with they had a training program they had a way to get into in front of small business owners now when i say small business owners you've got gradation in the marketplace you've got the very small business owners doing A couple hundred thousand dollars and they pretty much own a job then you've got the bigger business owners who up to about eight hundred thousand dollars they've got a real formal going concern and then you've got the larger small businesses and that starts at about a million dollars goes up to ten million dollars in revenue and beyond that there's the true middle market opportunities where investment bankers and business intermediaries trade in my role back then was the Main Street side of business sales. Up until about 97, when I moved into the middle market and the mergers and acquisitions portion of the market and started helping those companies with two to $10 million in revenue base. And I was with that firm up until 2005 when I struck out on my own, founded Contango Investments with a colleague, Gary Patel. And together we've grown Contango Investments to Today we handle about 15 to 20 million dollars in annual transaction turnover. Uh, We specialize in, of course, food and beverage related operations, as that was my background. Medical practices, as that's been a growing market. And of course, manufacturing and distribution, which is always sought after by middle market companies, trying to buy into the larger small businesses here in Central Florida. And I cover from st petersburg up
0: to jacksonville so you've been you've been doing this for a long time and i want to ask you some questions about you know ever since this COVID 19 came along and has decimated our economy and you know basically the u.s economy has come to a halt let me ask you this how has that impacted business valuations
1: well that's the $4,000 question, isn't it, Scott? It sure is. Every single seller would love it if we could take the first quarter and part of the second quarter of 2020, exclude that from what a buyer is going to consider when they value their business. And remember, business value, there's a number of definitions for it, but the one that really matters is when you're ready to go to market as a business owner what does the market think your business is worth and what is a buyer willing to pay you? And that's a whole different function than this hypothetical fair market value calculation and business appraisers are there to develop on average, what would happen in the marketplace if a buyer and a seller were to try to transact in today's environment. And that's all, hypothetical because we don't have a real buy-sell transaction in the offing. Um, In order to get to that point that you are ready to transact, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. And the way that COVID-19 has impacted what's going to happen when a seller is ready to go to market is unless he can show a buyer financially what transpired during this very turbulent period in the worldwide economy he is going to be dinged, his value is going to be impacted negatively. If he has good financial metrics in place, has a compelling explanation to help a buyer see through what was happening around that business owner at the time, then he's going to have a more robust valuation. That goes back into making sure his business processes, his data capture, his financial records, his um, key performance indicators, his KPIs are all being captured during this whole evolution and beyond. So it's really about having transparency. There's no buyer out there who's just going to omit the first quarter of 2020. It has to be factored in. Is it going to negatively impact values? Yes, because banks are not sure how they're going to deal with this new systemic risk that can come in and impact the business negatively. Now, we've seen it. They just can't forget it. But we have to give the buyers enough information to understand how much risk there is that this could happen and what would the business owner do again if I bought the business, what would I do about it? How would I isolate what the downward pressures are in certain markets or micro-markets of my customer segmentation? And where would I go to reinforce those other revenue channels?
0: You know, that's, that, that's, that's great information, George. And uh, I hope our listeners are taking notes. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, one thing that came to my mind and that was, look guys, if you're a business owner listening to this, you've got to start, put yourself in the shoes of a buyer. What would a buyer be looking for, right? Would you buy your company? What skeletons do you have in your closet? Because by the way, they will come out. (laughs) You gotta, there's going to be a lot of due diligence done when it comes time for you to sell your company. Now, Most of you, if not all of you, are probably thinking, Scott, I'm not even close to selling right now. I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to keep the doors open. I'm hoping to get some paycheck protection program money and all of that. I'm not even thinking about exiting my business. Who knows when that's going to happen? I get it. However, if you Take a look at where you're at right now, what your company is worth right now. You can get your team to help you to grow the valuation. Give them a cut of the pie. You don't have to, you can give it to them in the form of bonuses, by the way. It could include cash or non-voting stock or a combination of the two. But you incentivize them to grow the valuation of that company. Well, how are you going to know what it's going to be worth if you don't? you know, if you don't get it valued. You don't have to get a full-blown valuation. True, George?
1: Absolutely not. In fact, I am also a business appraiser in a separate entity that I own called Florida Business Valuations, and so often I get phone calls from business owners that think they need a formal appraisal when what they need is a handle on if they were to do something today, what would they realize? and the two are very different processes. One is about 40 hours, and it starts at about $5,000. The other is a financial um, review of the internal financial, the margins, the inventory turnover, the receivables turnover, and that, those key metrics are critical from a buyer's perspective, but if a business owner has that information on hand, He's not only able to understand if I were to make go to market and try to sell today what I'm worth, but he also has all this information that he can use to manage the business to so understand is he getting better on his inventory turnover, is he uh, improving on his collectability and receivables, or if not, if things are going the wrong direction, it should be a call out. Uh, emergency alarm bell ringing to take action on something that is happening inside your business. And too often, business owners don't know they have an issue until the damage is really done.
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And basically, by looking at these uh, KPIs, right, you can uh, prioritize what's most important, what's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck, uh, so you're not wasting valuable time and that can actually grow the company so that when you are ready to pull the trigger, um, then hopefully at that point in time, the value is up and you can get out on your own terms.
1: Absolutely. And something else that I think is important for our listeners to understand, certain things that you do in your business are going to be the incremental uh, revenue contribution, profit contribution, those things that don't really move the needle a whole bunch. And other business processes are going to make the biggest impact. Those are the 80-20 rule, that Pareto principle that 80% of your activities result in 20% of your profitability, and 20% of your activities result in 80% of your profitability. And having clear understanding for which activities those are and how you're doing at it. Are you getting better with them or do you have issues that are impacting your business? And if you don't have all that information captured and tracked and worked with, worked on, reviewed periodically and acted on, then you're not in control of your business. And when you're not in control of your business, it's not worth much. When you've got all that information that a buyer who's an outsider who doesn't intuitively do what you do day in and day out, doesn't have your insight into your own business from just a gut feel perspective, they can't put a value on it, or if they do, it's with limited information, and because of that, they have a higher perceived risk, therefore a lower value. If you've got all that information at your disposal that you can help them see into the business processes, now you've got a much more valuable entity that a buyer can say, I get it. I see how he's doing this. I see which 80% of the activities are valuable which 20% I don't need to focus on so much, that reduces the buyer's perceived risk. And when your risk perception goes down, the valuation goes up on the same dollar of earnings. You can take what would be, most business owners have this metric, EBITDA or discretionary earnings. Um, If you don't, we can address that. But the important thing here is when the transparency is there into the business because you've got all this information, the financial information about what's happening inside the business, and a buyer can see that. They're willing to pay an extra multiple, sometimes a half a multiple, sometimes more, for that same business. You can get an extra multiple of that cash flow if you've got that information at hand and you've got a history on it. It's not a snapshot. It's a trend, and that's what you need to do and that's why it's so important that you start working on this information now, not a month before you're ready to sell, a year before you're ready to sell, but three to five years at a minimum.
0: Good point. And that's one of the things I harp on with my clients. And let's, let's step back for a second, talking about business valuations, folks. And one of the things I, I feel that's critically important, and, and most of you do, haven't done this. Research has shown two-thirds of you guys haven't done what I'm about to talk about, and that is having a business continuity plan in place that is documented. Your people know where it's at. They know how to operate it, make it work. And truthfully, if uh, and I have one, by the way. Truthfully, if uh, if I'm looking to buy your company and you don't have one of those and there's another company and everything else being equal and the other company has one of those, um the second company is going to be worth more to me is that a fair statement george
1: absolutely there's no way around it if you've got the systems in place that that makes a buyer more comfortable reduces their perceived risk and when that risk goes down the value goes up
0: so guys i hope this COVID 19 has shook you to the shook you up enough to get a business continuity plan put in place. Now, we do have that available. You can contact me at, scott.martin at FinishingBig.com, and we can provide you a business continuity plan template and just get in touch with us and let us know that that's what you're interested in. But moving on. Okay, George, now, when I think about business valuations, Right now, a lot of business owners are probably scratching their heads and they're, you know, got some downtime, so to speak. And they may have discovered that they are the company. And again, using my simple analogy or example, I guess you could say, you got two companies. One company has a business owner that pretty much does everything, runs the show. Uh, Without the owner, uh, nothing really happens. Uh, That owner has all the key relationships, the banking relationships, the um, vendor relationships, the client relationships. And then you have company B, you have an owner, but this person has delegated a lot of the responsibilities to his team, his or her team, where um, they don't have to be there all the time. I think it's obvious that Company B is gonna be worth more money. And so with that being said, some of you may be in the Company A category, and maybe it's time that you start um, revamping your business. And George, when they do that, how's that going to affect the value of the business? It's a
1: fantastic question. I'm gonna answer it with a little bit of a story. And this was a personal experience where I had a sign fabrication company. They built pylon boxes that went up on pylon signs, and you put the panels in place, the plastic um, signs, inside these big metal boxes with backlighting and their signage. Um, When I met this owner, it was probably 97, and I'm looking at his business and his Revenues had gone down from a million five to a million three to a million one 000, to nine hundred thousand, and I, I said to him, "I said, Dan, um, there, there's a negative trend on revenues, but your discretionary earnings, your owner benefit, have gone up. This doesn't make sense to me. What's going on here?" And he said, "Well, I'll tell you the truth, George." I was out on a sales call back when I was growing and blowing up my business. And as I was driving back to my shop. I looked over at a red light and there on the side of the road was a construction site that I had a signpost going in. And on Saturday, we were hanging that box, but on, this was Wednesday. And there was a crane sitting there on Wednesday that we didn't have a use for until Saturday. I'm thinking to myself, well, at $200 a day, I don't have $800 of profit margin in this job. And the more I thought about it, as I'm driving back to the shop, the matter I got. When I got back to the shop, I called out my general manager and I wanted to know, why are we paying on Wednesday for a crane that we can't use until Saturday? And I didn't like his answer. He said, well, they told me we might not be able to get it on Saturday unless we went ahead and got it today. And and I, I just couldn't believe be that callous and insensitive and dumb. Now they didn't know I only had six hundred dollars of profit margin in that sign hanging, but that's beside the point. They shouldn't be making decisions that are going to negatively impact my business. And he used the term, so I pulled back my horns and I decided to fire my GM. Get smaller, where I was making more money at eight hundred thousand dollars than I ever made at a million five. Now. That expression right there, I pulled back my horns, and I thought about that, and that's what most small business owners do if you look at the marketplace. There's a no man's land on small businesses, especially in um, the trades. They get up to a certain point, and after that point, it's so difficult to grow because the owners have to let go of some of the decision-making authority. When that happens, it's not as efficient the employees are not as experienced as the owner is and it costs the money i was talking to the owner of a general contracting firm and he was telling me about his horror story where he had an estimator miss a construction project and it cost him two hundred thousand dollars the estimate was off by two hundred thousand dollars wow and i said to that general contractor and he was a good-sized firm doing about 30 million a year and he said I asked him, well, what did you do? Did you fire that estimator? He said, nope. That estimator is now my best estimator. And he's never going to make that mistake again. And he is the most accurate estimator you'll ever meet.
0: <laughs> there you go. And, and listen, guys, it, it, the, the value is in the people. The better the team that you have, the more value you're going to get out of your business. And don't be afraid to fire people. You know, don't be afraid to bring in um, an expert that can assess your people to figure out if they're in the right position. And if they're not, maybe they'd be better off in a different position or maybe you're going to just have to let them go. This isn't a charity. And maybe you have to bring in another management team that can get you to the next level. Well,
1: that goes back to what are the overall objectives of the business owner? Like my friend Dan, if he just wants to stay small and make the money he can make comfortably, that's a whole different business model. You've got other business owners that have the run in them, have that drive, and they want to get bigger. They want to hit that $2.5 million revenue range where they can afford a middle management team. They want to get to the $5 million, the $10 million revenue range where they're not working in the business. They've got a board of directors that they're making decisions with, and they can afford that outside guidance from heavy hitters. That's when private equity groups come in and buy those companies up at big multiples. Right. To get to that point, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have the financial tracking. You've got to have the systems to capture those financial metrics. You're not going to get there by the seat of your pants. And until you're willing to let go of some of that control and get formal about your business processes, you might as well stay small and be small and think small. And that's not a bad thing. That's just a different segment of the market. That's the main street mom-and-pop operator. Well said. To be, yeah, to get to that $2.5 million revenue run, you got to graduate and you got to let some employees make some mistakes and then you got to have processes to catch it before it's a critical mistake where it's not going to tank your business.
0: And I would add to that incentivize these key employees and do it in a way that they will remain loyal to you uh, because if they if they jump ship they're not going to get the um, the bonuses that you have set up and there's a way to structure it structure it properly so they're going to want to stick around they're going to want to grow the company uh, because it's in their best interest to do so, and if you haven't Uh, already have them sign a non-compete agreement, Uh, now would be the time when you create this um, incentive program because they go hand in hand together. You want this? Yes, I do. Well, you've got to sign this non-compete, right? And so uh, these are things that have to be thought out in advance. And think about it. If I'm, if I'm thinking about buying your company and I see you've got your key employees locked down, so to speak, and you've incentivized them, George, tell me, what's going to happen to the value of the company then?
1: Obviously, it's going to be much more attractive to a buyer. And every single buyer has this same concern. If I buy your business, and the key people jump ship and go into competition with me. Why am I giving you money for something that I'm not gaining the value of? There you go. Let so me... if you haven't addressed that before you go to market, a buyer will address it, and he's going to address it in the valuation.
0: And again, before you go to market is the key. And George already mentioned, usually that takes a few years to set things up. I was going to do a webinar, and I plan on doing it sometime in the future, but the webinar was going to be talking about how to prepare yourselves for an exit, to ultimately get out of your uh, company, and one of the slides I was going to be talking about, George, was where I would be saying, look, let's go back in time. Most of you guys are 55 and older, remember 2008? What happened back in 2008? Pretty rough times, Um, you're probably laying off people. Your revenues were going down and so on and so forth. It was a very painful time. Well, do you really want, at this stage of your life, at this stage of the game, do you want to go through another recession? Whoops, wait a minute. Rewind the tape. Here we are, another recession. This one's even worse. And there'll be another one down the road. So, George and I are both saying, prepare for the future. Um, Start putting plans in place so that you can get out when you want to get out. But let's move on. If a business owner is struggling right now and it's just not looking good for them, you know, the future's not looking too good, what advice do you have for them, George?
1: Oh, you've got to have a cash management plan in place. You've got to have your burn rate figured out. You've got to know if you're a lost cause or if you've got the financial moneys in reserve to survive another six months until we expect the economy to be such that you're going to be rehiring, and um, I'm hopeful that it's going to be much sooner. I'm honestly expecting that by July, people are going to be coming out of their hibernation, and the confidence and the financial legs are going to come back, but If a business owner does not have the ability to get to that point, if the damage is so bad that we have to amputate, then now would be the time to do that and not wait. But to get to that point, to make that decision, you really got to understand how much cash and access to cash do I have and how much do I burn through on a weekly or a monthly basis, preferably a weekly basis. And where is it going, and how can I plug those holes? How can I delay that negative outgo of cash until we've got the revenue back in to offset it? So it's really, if you don't have answers to those questions, you're flying blind.
0: So cash flow projections are very important. Absolutely. And realistic, and we do the best case, worst case, and most probable case. That's important because we don't want to sugarcoat it. Right.
1: You're going to have to have your contingency plans for. I I just got a text message from an attorney yesterday wanting to know if I knew of any liquidators. And I, I turned her on to one particular auction house, and that was a client company of hers that. Had made that assessment and realized that to throw more good money
0: after bad would be a hopeless cause. Yeah, that's you, you hate to hear those stories, but it's the reality of the situation in light of what's going on with COVID nineteen. And I would but,
1: rather hear that story than somebody went into their retirement account, went into their life savings, borrowed from family and friends. Right. And it was already too late.
0: Yeah, good point. And, and by the way, you know, there's got to be some opportunities out there. Whenever there's an economic crisis, just like in 2008, um, I remember in 1987 when the market dropped 23 percent, I was a f- uh, financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. There's always opportunities. Uh, what do you see out there in the business world, uh, George, as far as opportunities go? J- just you don't have to get into a lot of detail, but just in general.
1: the herd the competition a lot of the unviable businesses are going to be cleared out of the marketplace those companies that have good processes in place are going to be able to grab market share sometimes they can do it organically by pivoting and pursuing it directly sometimes they can acquire those processes that they don't possess in related industries by acquisition. Um, So there's smart money out there. A lot of it is gonna just eat your lunch. They're gonna come in and take your market share because they've got the processes to do it. Others are going to acquire you or competitors and by aggregation become much more competitive and take more market share. And and the one that I always focus on is not uh, particular company in a particular industry buying another company in a particular industry. I look at where's the synergy? What does one company do that the other one doesn't do well? And how are they going to cobble those two systems together to make it more valuable in the separate parts? And we refer to that as synergy. Everyone's familiar with the term synergy, but in the financial markets, it's how you truly make 3 plus 3 equal 10, not 6
0: gotcha well george we're pretty much out of time right now so i we could talk about this forever i'm sure uh, so listen up folks to learn more information how you can improve your business uh, evaluation and get through this covid-19 disaster uh, you can contact george and um first off let me give you his email or, i'm sorry his uh, website which is www. Contangogroup.com. I'll spell that. That's C-O-
1: let, let, let me address that. It's contangoinvestments.com.
0: Oh, sorry. Um, okay. There's
1: an, another uh, domain that's a little easier to remember. It's net. It is what it says it is.
0: <laughs> okay. And give them your uh, email address and phone number, if you would, please.
1: Absolutely. Now that is Contango group at gmail.com. C-O-N-T-A-N-G-O-G-R-O-U-P at gmail.com. And my office line is 321-251-6090. And if I'm out and about with clients, that will roll over to my cell phone. Um, and I do work on weekends. I am always available for clients. Um, And always available to assist if I don't have the skill sets in-house, I probably know who to talk to to get you hooked up with somebody who does specifically that. We like to connect the right parties together. They get successful together and it comes back in referrals.
0: Fantastic. Well, guys, we really want to say thank you to you, uh, George, for your valuable time, your insights, your expertise. Everybody reach out to George, get in touch with him. Again, this is Scott Martin with Finishing Big Podcast. And stay safe out there. Practice social distancing and all of that good stuff. And um, use this information to your advantage. Take care.
1: Thank you very much.